0: How about a bit of good news to celebrate National Women's Month? In this episode of B-Side, Martina Delu tells Business World reporter Joseph El Garcia about Not a Daydream, a social enterprise that she co-owns. Founded in 2017, Not a Daydream makes bags out of fabrics native to the Philippines. But more importantly, it's a social enterprise that gives women in vulnerable communities in Tondo, Manila, a sustainable means of earning a living. Work empowers women, says Ms. DeLu, who also talks about running a social enterprise during a pandemic, and how conscious consumers can tell whether a social enterprise is legitimate or not.
1: There are so many products that you could do, but why did you choose to make bags and why did you choose to use Philippine textiles?
2: Marta loved the fabrics, and all the fabrics are made in Ilocos, and she really loved them living here, but wanted to use them in a more modern way. So she came up with a beach bag because she was living here from a cold country, the Netherlands, to the Philippines, where you can visit a lot of beaches. She really was missing a good beach bag. So it came out of a practical personal need and appeared to be a need for a lot of more people to have this sustainable beach bag with local fabrics that supports as well community in the same time.
1: Since the fact that the bags are made by these women already helped them, but what about the textiles themselves? Do you think that when you source textiles from them, you're helping them too?
2: Yes, definitely. It's from a more distance way, obviously, because there are any locals, so we don't see them, especially now in these times, that often, but we do support the local weavers and I think the craftsmanship that's done here in the Philippines. For what I see, it's truly art. What's being done is something that we should preserve together, Uh, but then it should be used as well in a modern way that the young people like it as well. So we believe we're helping in modernizing traditional fabrics to a bigger crowd because we ship worldwide. We have people who buy the bags, live worldwide. So we really are in that way an ambassador of the weavers and bring them money and work also during these times.
1: Could you tell me, What's it like operating and selling both to Amsterdam and the rest of Europe and Manila? I saw that you have prices in euros and you have prices in pesos and the products are made here. So how do you handle the logistics
2: for that? During the pandemic, especially last year, we focused on the Philippines for obvious reasons. But we have a very international clientele. So it started here with the bags but since I'm also a Dutch origin and Marta is as well we have a lot of friends and family it started 3 years ago like okay we like these bags so it grew from that so we decided to have a base as well in Amsterdam we ship worldwide we also just had a collaboration with a brand based in Qatar which we share the same mission empowering women and people bring a lot of our bags back home to their friends and then they order again so it's like this going bigger and bigger
1: Could you explain to me the structure, like you were talking about these organizations in Qatar, but then I also read that you have a relationship between BYSMP, Bless the Children Foundation, Inc., but also how are these workers getting compensated?
2: So what we do, we are basically the shell across it. So we're not running a separate workshop because there are enough workshops here, there are enough people here. So when Marta, the founder, visited Tondo, she met the foundation that already has the people there and they had a connection in trying to help them specifically with the needs. And what we are able to offer is sourcing fabrics and selling products. So basically generate an income uh, for the team. So we're working together with the Blessed Children Foundation, which is based in Tondo. And they have a special program for women to be able to generate for them an income and at the same time send their children to school. We train them there, uh, and they're able to earn an income for their family.
1: You were talking about how the business was affected by the fact that you make beach bags, but then nobody was going to the beaches. So in what other aspects was your business affected by the pandemic? Like in sourcing, logistics, production? And then how did your workers continue to produce even, you know, because of social distancing and lockdowns and all of those things?
2: I just took over in January after moving to the Philippines. So it all came a bit together. And I think it was okay business-wise to have a little bit peace of mind to think about, okay, how do I want to run this business and what are the plans for 2020? But then, yeah, obviously we came to realize that this pandemic was here to stay. And we have to generate, you know, like an income, no matter the shops are closed or there are no bazaars, which were mainly our point of sales. We had to adapt to it so we made sure that our team still had an income although they were not able to work because they were not able to go to the foundation because everybody needs to stay put at home so we were able to support in other ways to make sure that they just had food so that was pretty harsh and it still is not on the level it used to be, but I think we're getting there. We adapted. We were, first of all, very fortunate to be named finalist in the Independent Handbag Design Awards, which is based in New York, with our yellow Boracay beach bag. So this gave a lot of PR around May, uh, and new people requesting for our bags and other products. But that was a good boost for our existing profile. And then we had also changed with our products to cushion covers. We designed a basic cushion cover from our fabrics, which makes it unique. And we combine it with text, which is made from pineapple leaf fibers from the Philippines. So it gives this extra touch to it. And our third one is that we added another target audience. Already in 2019, we collaborated with KLM and Frone, there are two Dutch companies based in Manila, but for 2020, we continue to work with other companies like Nestle and DNV Philippines for business orders. And I think that's a win-win for companies as well, to give a sustainable gift to their stakeholders or employers, and they're doing good meanwhile. So that was a good combination of still running a business, and at the end of the year, when it all starts opening up a bit and we had the boost for christmas we're looking forward to travel again a little bit here in the in the country and i think for As for sourcing and for all the materials, we shifted totally from visiting our suppliers to doing it by fiber, Facebook Messenger, Zoom, and all the digital channels we have. And that's challenging sometimes. You know, imagine buying a certain new fabric by fiber with the weaver in La Union or in Vegan. So it's like, you know, you need to know the certain color. It's always different. It's always hard to photograph. It's hard to film. But I think it's not a reason to stop. You know, it's a reason to shift and adapt and continue. And that's what we're doing on and on. And I think that's what makes it a very unique year. And being able to continue, it's, I'm very grateful for it. Overall, we, had, we did a good job. And now I think the forecast is, is okay for this year.
1: You help women and you help mothers. And I read a study that when you help women and mothers, it actually helps the entire community because their work goes towards schooling or improving their homes or their lives or the lives of their children. So could you talk more about that? Like, why is it a special focus on you to empower and, you know, help these women through work?
2: Our daily business is driven by our mission which is Empowered Women Empower Women. So we believe that it's a circle of empowerment that includes all of us. I think what we try to realize here is a long-term sustainable change. For me, while empowering our team to be able to work, we empower their kids to have an education because with the Blessed Children Foundation, it comes together. So while their women are working upstairs, the children can go to school. So, for example, Mary-Ann from our team she's working there and her daughter can go to school, but she also sees her mother working and earning an income. And I think this example that she sees her mother working and earning an income is very important for her to see that this is what you can do. If you learn a skill, you can work on it. And I think that's the way we can change poverty. And I think that's also one of the, like for sustainable development goals of the United Nations. I think we all should do our part to help work on it and As well, for the other goal is to create uh, gender equality.
1: We are seeing more people opening, but also patronizing social enterprises. Do you think that social enterprise is the way to go for the future? Or do you think there's still a long way to go for this to be the normal business model?
2: I think it is. It should be. Obviously, there's a long way to go as well. So I really believe that you can combine doing business and doing good and taking impact first and then make profits at the same time. But it's taking small steps, I think. Sometimes baby steps, sometimes a step back. And I think it's all part of change. Social enterprises don't happen just in one day. And existing companies need to make changes. And there's a lot of information to find as well about the right way to build a social enterprise, but it also requires change, I believe, from governments and rules and regulations to adapt to new organizations and to make sure it's set in the right way that everybody knows what this company is like and how it's needed to be run.
1: Since we're talking about the popularity of social enterprises also and how it might be a way to the future, A lot of people do ride on the bandwagon. And as a consumer myself, how do I know if I'm giving to the right one? Like when I look at their business models, how am I supposed to know that a more than sizable percentage, for example, is going to their workers? Or how do I know if it's sourced ethically? What are the things I have to look out for to know that I am giving my money to the right kind of business?
2: I don't think you can just brand yourself as a social enterprise to start with. I think transparency is key. You should give it. And I think you can see the difference from any other organization to a social enterprise at first by its structure, because it's mission-based and not profit-based. So as soon as they just start talking about selling and not about their mission, it's maybe already done with the wrong start. So it's about making impact and being engaged with stakeholders. How do you know as a consumer for sure that all the money goes to the right purposes, or, you know, like if a company is saying, oh, I give a fair price to the farmers. Is it indeed a fair price? And what is a fair price? So there are good models and templates already available to show your numbers as a social enterprise. So like you can show your books, like this percentage is going to profit. This percentage is going back to the company. This is like investments. This is for the team. This is for material, but by the next steps that you should take, like in Europe, they're working on a code. For social enterprise so only companies who meet certain requirements will be part of this register as a social enterprise or like b corp that's like a certificate for organizations who are using business as force for good it's a worldwide certificate and in the philippines only two companies have it: hope and nature legacy so i think we have next steps to take there as companies joining already existing certificates and registrations to make sure that we are able to really change for what we say we're doing.
1: What is your vision for your community at present? Like how do you want the story to end for them?
2: It's all about empowering each other and earning a sustainable income. So creating a sustainable change so that it's also for the next generation, the children of our team, that they have a better future but also for our team now to have them a skill that will last forever and make them independent. It's not something you can just express in money. This business model that we are running, it's something that is very scalable. So I would like to have like more impact with it or influence people or inspire other businesses to work with like-minded partners uh, to join this circle of empowerment, because I think it's the only way of working and the only way forward to help other organizations make changes so they can adapt towards social enterprise for the future, not only for another daydream, but we have like a better future for all. We really believe that it's about making a change for them and that doesn't have to be big. It's just being there every day and making sure that they can realize their dreams.
1: What could you tell our listeners right now about being more mindful consumers
2: I think that's just about knowing where you're buying from. So there's this trend about slow fashion. It's not about consuming more, but it's about consuming consciously. So make sure you know that you buy local and you know that where the product is from. Is it a sustainable product? Are they good enough to make it a sustainable business? And I think the mindfulness are small steps as well to take. So you don't have to change by day and night, right, really the way you buy or consume, but I think it should be a decision that you can adapt on. And every day uh, when you buy something, think about how you can do better with what you're doing. And then in the end, it's all about doing it together and being able to make a change.
0: And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Martina Delu co-owner of Not A Daydream, speaking with Business World reporter Joseph L. Garcia about the bag-making social enterprise that helps women in Tondo, Manila, earn a living. Slow fashion is not about consuming more, but consuming consciously, she says. It's about rethinking our relationship with the things we buy and choosing to invest in ethical products that uplift the people who make them. This B-Side episode was recorded remotely on March 3. This is Sam Marcelo, thanks for listening.